everybody's goal is just be on the sea, sail for the rest of your life until you die. And some characters would be like, hey, I want to do that, but after I die too. And my whole thing is, hey, being on the water, you know, it's cool. (laughs) But for the three of us that went sailing for a week, did everything. We ate, we slept, we kept a watch on a boat for one week in the Florida Keys. My review would be, that was fun. But to do that for my entire life, I don't know about that. <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> Are you guys in love with the sea as much as Captain Jack? Yeah, my review would be one word, and that is crusty. You're crusty from the salt. <laughs> You're crusty from the sun. It's a very crusty experience living Ugh. on a boat. Sunburns and seasickness doesn't sound fun. And how bad does everybody smell on these boats? They're all wet. They're all sweating. They kind They're all covered of, in rum. And kind of, I'm really like emphasis on the kind of, they kind of play into that a couple times in this franchise with, every time I look at Jack Sparrow, I'm like, this guy looks like he smells like actual shit. But then- he like makes out with people and I'm like, ew. And he does at two different times in this franchise, breathe on people and they have a comical reaction. And the third movie, Will Turner gets breathed on by Jack and literally falls overboard. So they kind of acknowledge it, I guess. As he's falling over, he's like, man, that was a crusty human that just breathed a on crusty me. crusty human. Ugh. What smells worse? Bootstrap Bill's starfish on his face or johnny depp's hat johnny depp's hat wasn't a kraken for a while so you have to take that into account i bet bootstrap's bill's starfish face or his weird gooey hands that he puts the black spot Ugh. on <laughs> yeah he must smell worse that that is like the most satisfying scene when all that stuff falls off of them like it looks like it must feel amazing Ugh. to get that thing off of you it was like right? visual asmr <laughs> it's like god that must feel good <laughs> Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> you got to. Uh, ahoy, mateys. Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three pirates bound to the code with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and Barbosa convinced me to believe in ghost stories. I'm Keith Baker, and I'm mining the boat. Shiver me timbers. I'm Austin Terry, and I've got a jar of dirt. Hell yeah. On today's show, we'll be doing a continuation of sorts. On last week's show, we did a bracket containing a bunch of random movies, and spoiler for the winner of that, it was Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. So, before we get into why we are talking about that in more detail this week, Austin, how did the rest of that bracket episode go? Man, that was a weird-ass bracket. We did all (laughs) random movies, we did all random matchups, so we had some weird competitions like Pan's Labyrinth versus Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) Keith and I also got into an altercation regarding one of his favorite movies, The Fugitive, and my first time seeing The Fugitive. I hated it. Keith loved it. What did Matt think of it? Well, you have to go listen to that episode to find out. I'm still mad at you for that. (laughs) It's going to take a while to get over that one. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I like how Austin put that, but I do think we should at least bring up Austin not only hated the movie, but Austin hated Tommy Lee Jones in it who won an Oscar for that movie, mind everybody listening, and Austin's reaction to finding out that Tommy Lee Jones won his Oscar for that movie is legendary. So if you were on the fence, you got to check that episode out. 
the standards for Oscar voting definitely were different in '93. If he won, he won. He beat Ray Fiennes for Schindler's List. <laughs> he really did. <laughs> he really did. That's something. Well, you know who lost ten years later? Johnny Depp playing Captain Jack Sparrow. So I guess the Oscars didn't fully figure it out. That being said, I'm not sure who was nominated that year, so don't at me. With that, let's get into the main topic for today's show. Like we said at the top, the first Pirates of the Caribbean won our last bracket, and after talking about it for a little bit along with 11 other movies, we realized we didn't have the ability and time to fully get into detail on why we love the first one. So, we figured for this episode we would do just that, along with talking about the rest of the original trilogy. Don't worry, if you're a diehard On Stranger Tides or Dead Man Tell No Tales fan, hi, it's nice to meet you, because I wasn't (laughs) aware any of you literally existed. But no worries, we'll talk about those briefly near the end. Today is all about the OG trilogy. So, while The Curse of the Black Pearl is universally acclaimed and has stood the test of time, Dead Man's Chest and At World's End were not received as well when they came out, kind of reinforcing the whole sequels not nearly being as good stereotype once again. 4 and 5 definitely reinforce that even further. But when it comes to the original movies, however, my question to you guys is, has the last 15 to almost 20 years now been kind? Austin and Keith, give me your brief history with, as well as your general thoughts on, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise as a whole before we get into more detail in just a bit. Yeah, for my history with the Pirates franchise, um, this was a franchise that my entire family fell in love with. We saw all three of the original movies in theaters, I think opening day, which to get my parents out to a theater on opening day is very hard to do. This was just such a great family experience in the theaters. Um, and, and for Pirates 1, I've seen it countless times, never as an adult, though, until a random bracket last week. So that was a really fun return to me. And, and it was nice to see that I wasn't just like a dumb kid that thought the movie was good. It's it's actually a good movie. Two and three, I think I had actually only seen maybe once or twice, though. So I was really interested to go back to those two and see how they'd aged. Um, and I got to say, I think they aged very well. I was pleasantly surprised that especially how good Dead Man's Chest is. And then At World's Ends being a little bit better than I remember. Uh, being from when I originally saw it. So I had a great time on this rewatch. I think this franchise has definitely aged very well, and it's all the more impressive that they were made 15, 20 years ago and still look good today. Yeah, like I mentioned on the brackets, the first one I've seen, I don't know how many times now, 30 times, to the point I've probably memorized every line in the movie. Saw all three in theaters, like you, Austin. For number two and three, I remember three being like extremely long when I first saw it. But for some reason on this rewatch, I was like, it didn't feel that long. It went by pretty fast, and I enjoyed all of it. Um, and then number two, that one was really good. I forgot. I had not seen two in a really long time. It's underrated, I would call it. So, yeah, <laughs> all three were really good to go back and rewatch. As I said in the brackets, they're just really good, fun adventure movies, and you can't go wrong with them. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I saw all three in theaters. Um, Curse of the Black Pearl was actually my first PG-13 movie in theater. So it was kind of a whoa. big deal at the time. I was like, whoa, uh-oh. Is that Matt Danger Johnson entering the room? <laughs> I was actually pretty scared by the movie at the time. I was like, oh my God, whenever they're sacking Port Royal, whenever we see the cursed crew for the first time, I was like, oh God, <laughs> <laughs> this is terrifying. Uh, so it honestly earned its rating, but- Other than that, I loved it from the get-go, and whenever I saw the second one, I definitely didn't like it as much, even as a kid, but I was like, it's still a pretty fun movie, I love the characters, and then the third one, same thing, and upon revisiting them, 
in more recent years, I was like, first one's great, but I definitely kind of fall into the camp that a lot of people do with two and three, which is they're nowhere near as good as the first. But what does that mean as actual movies? And doing this episode was super fun because watching two, I was kind of with you guys like, you know what? Dead Man's Chest? Not bad. Pretty good movie. I like the practical effects a lot. I like the story. I think it gets lost with some of the character motivations and like their individual stories. But for the most part, pretty top notch. Three, definitely have some issues with, but overall still a blast to watch. So the best thing I can say is despite the faults throughout the franchise, it is just a blast, especially in the original trilogy. And three is too long, but I, I honestly am kind of in Keith's camp. That, those two hours and 45 minutes went by really fast for me, and, and I was expecting it to drag starting yep. the movie and seeing that two-hour, 45-minute runtime. Yeah, like you, man. The second one scared the shit out of me as a kid. Oh, oh, I didn't even say that, but the second one, oh my God. Even scarier somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and in all sincerity, we'll probably get into it a little bit with like the production stuff, but PG-13 really did mean something different back then. That's not like, when I was 13, things were scarier. Like... When you think about like Marvel movies and just how PG-13 is the standard now, I mean, thinking about the jump from Pirates 1 to 2, like, think about that. Like, you were just a couple years older. That movie was scary as shit with Davy Jones. Like, that's not just us. Like, that was a way scarier movie, and they were kind of teetering. They, they showed on camera characters, like, throats getting slit. Like, whoa, that's kind of scary, man. <laughs> Will Turner gets whipped by his father yes. on Davy oh. Jones' boat. And they show the damage. Yep. <laughs> like, weird, man. Crazy. The Kraken starting Dead Man's Chest, I thought for sure was going to look like shit. Looks great. Yeah, the effects look great. I was shocked on this rewatch that somehow in 2021, they still look that good. Um, but we got to get into some other stuff. We have some performances to talk about, the cast and crew. How did they hold up? So let's roll some segue music. And hold on, before you freak out, our music is not as iconic as the Pirates theme, but it's the next best thing. All right, guys. As we know, when you're part of the ship, you're part of the crew. So Austin hit me with the first part of the cast and crew. All right. So the entire franchise is directed by Gore Vabinski. He's known for Mouse Hunt, uh, The Ring, an underrated animated film in Rango, and then, of course, the smash hit, ageless classic, <laughs> The Lone Ranger. <laughs> Johnny Depp's his boy, but this was the only time it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it worked in Rango. That's true. That's true. I forgot that he was in that. Yeah, he was great in that. And of course, the original trilogy is also written by Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio. Uh, they're also known for Aladdin, the classic Treasure Planet, yes. Shrek, and the Antonio Banderas Zorro movies. Um, and our movie score, the first one was originally composed by Klaus Badalt and later Hans Zimmer, who would take over for parts two and three. Uh, Badalt is actually Zimmer's collaborator and has worked on several superhero films and action movies together as well. I didn't know the original was by Klaus. I thought it was all Hans Zimmer. So upon doing a bit of a deep dive, it turns out Hans Zimmer did produce the first movie score. But Klaus Bedelt is like, he's the one that created all of the original pieces. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, Keith, so that's our crew. But please run down our cast for the Pirates franchise. We have Mr. Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. Orlando Bloom as Will Turner. Kira Knightley as Elizabeth Swan. Jeffrey Rush as Captain Barbosa. Kevin McNally as Joshimi Gibbs. Jack Davenport as Commodore Norrington. 
Tom Hollander as Cutler Beckett, Naomi Harris as Tia Dalma, Chow Yun-Fat as Sal Fang, Jonathan Price as Governor Swan, Lee Harenberg as Pinto, Mackenzie Crook as Rigetti, and we got Stellan Skarsgård as Bootstrap Bill and Bill Nye as Davy Jones. Matt, I know you compiled our cast list today, but how dare you leave off Ian McShane and Javier Bardem <laughs> as our villains in 4 and 5? God, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? They were okay. I think that's the answer to that question. <laughs> we're talking about the original trilogy, though, my friend. So I want to know from you, too. I'll, I'll stand back for a little bit here, but give me... This is a big cast and crew. I know this is going to be hard. I'm going to give you one person. Give me your standout person from the cast or crew. Give me the best. And I'll, let's let's uh, narrow it down even more. Let's do our standout person not named Johnny Depp. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's I mean, a, Johnny Depp, one. of course, legendary as Jack Sparrow. So besides him, who else you got? I think I'll give my standout uh, as Jeffrey Rush. I really mm-hmm. noticed how good he is as Captain Barbosa this time around. I forgot he comes back in two, so that reveal and cut the credits was Great awesome for me. Yeah. Yeah. He's so good as the main villain in number one, and then kind of seeing him come back and come into the fold as an ally in three was a really fun uh, like kind of character shift for him. He, of course, still keeps some of those villainous roots. He becomes a much easier character to kind of root for and, and see join the rest of the crew as well. It was kind of a cool element when you think about it, too. Like, it fits into the lore. It's just like, it's not that he and the crew of the Black Pearl were bad people. It's just that they didn't like Jack, so they mutinied. And then because of him as the captain, they became cursed. And then they were all this crazy, like, that's when they were bad. But then whenever they're back to humans, it's like, well, what are they going to be? And so they kind of actually explored that, which was pretty cool. And I know four and five are really bad movies, but there is a line in five where Jack Sparrow refers to Barbosa as his best friend. And it's like, oh, like that kind of makes sense. They probably would be friends. He after was his all this first mate originally. Yeah. So you have to imagine they had a long history. Yeah. This is a tough one. But I mean, going through all three movies of the original trilogy and not naming Jeffrey Rush or Johnny Depp, I will go with Kevin McNally as Josh McGibbs. Underrated for sure. Or maybe maybe he's not. Maybe a lot of people do like Gibbs, but Gibbs is one of my favorite characters. He's like that awesome, loyal friend who's always there. He Even if Jack's gone, you know he's going to take care of the Pearl. And just all the little funny stuff he says gets me every time. So, yeah, Kevin McNally's awesome in this franchise. Guys, when it comes to the vocal choice, the presence, and the look, nobody, and I mean nobody, Beats my boy Bill Nye as Davy Jones. I love it. The voice he uses is incredible. <laughs> like, the Scottish accent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah kind, it's it's a weird accent. It's kind of it's just like amalgamation of like all sorts of English and Scottish accents. It's weird, but it's incredible. I was reading that they asked him to do a Dutch accent, and he just said no and did it Scottish <laughs> instead. <laughs> I love it. Um, it, of course, like like Austin was talking about earlier. Does the Davy Jones CG work like from like in 2021? No, it doesn't. It, it looks like CG now, but somehow it still looks incredible. It's so good. He's able to emote as a human. Like whenever he cries, whenever he like is reacting to things, you believe it. I think this performance comes through so well. I love Davy Jones. Jack Sparrow. The way he says Sparrow. So good. <laughs> so good. My favorite line of his is, 
bootstrap bill you're a liar and you will spend an eternity on this <laughs> ship yeah it's good <laughs> i love whenever he walks in in three and sees will turner come back and he's like oh, oh, william turner he's <laughs> 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 just like what the fuck's happening <laughs> oh so good Kira Knightley, awesome too. I, I think a little bit underrated, but so good in all three movies too. I don't like the way she's used, but the performance is great. But, you know, it was the early 2000s and she was a woman. So, of course, she was used in very not great ways. Not her fault. Something I read that it makes sense when you think about it, but blew my mind reading it. Uh, Kira Knightley is only 17 when filming the first That's movie. That's what I was referring to. Whoa. This is weird, guys. Why is 17-year-old Kira Knightley being like just standing in a scene and then Orlando Bloom walks up and like shoves his tongue in her like, ugh. It was weird to watch after reading that, I have to say. It was gross. They also like strip her down in front of the whole crew ugh, and stuff like that. They did. She's 17. How old were they supposed to be at the beginning? They got to be in their 20s. I, I mean, think, yeah, they were definitely playing still older. young love. Yeah. But Orlando Bloom, I saw, was 26 when he made it, and she was 17, which is just a little bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to bring back a game since we just talked about the cast and crew. It's a game we played when we were doing our look back at Daniel Craig's James Bond. I'm going to read off actors that were almost considered or even offered the role Ooh. of Jack Sparrow, and I would like you guys to tell me yes, please, or no, thank you. Okay, I like it. Okay. I like it. All right, number one, Jim Carrey. No, thanks. I'm going to go with maybe. Oh, the third <laughs> option that we weren't aware of. <laughs> the, the, the third option I didn't tell Keith he could do. Okay, maybe. <laughs> the role is actually written with this actor in mind, and that's Mr. Hugh Jackman. No, thanks. You know what? I actually could see that, I think. I'm going to go yes, please. Not that it would be better, but I think I could see that. Yeah, written with him in mind, but Disney didn't believe he was a big enough star at the time to carry the film. All right, some quick hits here. Matthew McConaughey. No. <laughs> no way. No, thanks. <laughs> I got a jar of dirt. No! <laughs> Michael Keaton. Ooh, that must have been a while ago. I'm going to say no thanks for Jack Sparrow, but I think Michael Keaton could have played a good pirate, though. I think I would say like late 80s, early 90s, Michael Keaton definitely did have that vibe. So I would go, yes, please, back Beetlejuice, then. Beetlejuice, Michael Keaton. Yeah, that yeah. era of Michael Keaton for sure. Christopher Walken. No. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> Barbosa, yeah, but not Jack. No, thanks, but I will comment on that and saying that Christopher Walken is also considered for Davy Jones as well. Ooh, that'd be fun. <sighs> maybe, I yeah. I think I, maybe, yeah. I could see that potentially. All right, and finally here, um, Mr. Robert De Niro. No, no thank you. <laughs> no. <laughs> so he was actually offered the role of Barbosa after they cast Depp, um, but he declined because he didn't think audiences were interested in pirate movies anymore. Uh, the success of The Black Pearl proved him wrong, and he would later go on to do Stardust. I love Stardust. That is a movie that we will talk about eventually on a random movie bracket or in Matt's favorite movies, but it's not this day. But De Niro's great in that. Here we go. We're not going to play a game, but I'll just let you guys know the other actors that were considered for David Jones. I already said one of them. That was Christopher Walken. The other ones, and the first one here, I don't know how to say his name, was Ian Glenn. Do you know who that is? I do. Jorah Mormont. And Austin, Ian Glenn, also Bruce Wayne <laughs> from Titans. Oh, and Titans, your favorite show? Ian Glenn is most well known for uh, definitely playing Jorah Mormont in Game of Thrones, yeah. 
The other two were Jim Broadbent and Richard E. Grant. I could see both of those. I mean, it's like they just picked a bunch of British people. Hey, like, hey, just do a really good British accent, I guess. That's what we want for Davy Jones. And Bill Nye did the best one, I guess. Uh, all right. The, uh, the Kraken was difficult to animate so because they had no real-life reference to really base it off of. It was up to the animation director, Hal Hickel, who instructed the crew to watch King Kong vs. Godzilla from 1963, which had a real octopus crawling over miniature people. Have you seen the behind-the-scenes stuff of how they like did the Kraken tentacles? No, Years I did not. Ago. It's so funny. It's these like guys in full green suits, like just holding up these green arms and like running along the ship because they're animating. <laughs> the, it looks like the goofiest <laughs> thing. Like it does not look like a professional <laughs> production. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys have been to Disney World or Disneyland or both, but uh, Teodoma Swamp is a recreation of the original uh, Pirates of Caribbean ride at, at those parks. I didn't record a lot of it for this, but it was interesting seeing just little bits and pieces of dialogue that they used, like literally from the ride. If you're on the ride, hearing like the loudspeakers, like, and down we go, or something like that. Like they would use that at the right time. There was one I saw, like Jeffrey Rush, whenever they're sailing into the maelstrom in part three, is like he says something verbatim from the ride whenever like you're doing the drop or something. So they actually they kind of like paid tribute to the ride more than I ever realized. Uh, as far as Bill Nye goes, playing Davy Jones, so he had to wear a motion-captured tracksuit and tracking dots on his face, which meant the animators had to reshoot the scene in the studio without him or the motion capture stage. So several of the actors admitted that it was they were laughing their asses off when they were filming scenes because Nye just had these dots all over his face and this <laughs> weird like animation suit on. Yeah, the the behind the scenes photos of Bill Nye on set is so funny too, because he's in like a full like latex suit, and then his face is just covered in dots. Like he does not look intimidating at all. (laughs) Yeah, the best the best one is of him standing next to Beckett and Will Turner in part three when they're on the beach doing the parlay, and it's just like everybody in a standoff, (laughs) and it's just Bill Nye in a mocap suit standing in a bucket of water. (laughs) Goofy. So the scene where Elizabeth kisses Jack Sparrow was actually left out of Orlando Bloom's script so he could get a better reaction on film. Mm. Speaking of things being left out, I was also reading that uh, the cast did not know Barbosa would be returning at the end of the film. They were expecting Zoe Saldana's Anna Maria to come down the stairs. So when Jeffrey Rush comes down the stairs as Barbosa, like all those reactions are real. They had no clue he was coming back. And I actually would recommend everybody go back to that in the movie because when you watch it, whenever he's walking down, of course, there's like cuts from his boots to one character's face. But there is one wide shot at the very end of the movie, right before it cuts to Barbosa, where it shows every character like Pintel, Rigetti, uh, Will Turner, Elizabeth Swan, like genuinely, they are shocked. For a split second before it cuts, it's so cool when you know this fact and you watch that, like, it just goes from, like, they're all acting, and then for a split second, it's like, whoa, what the fuck? Is that Jeffrey Rush? (laughs) It's really cool. So everybody go check that out. It's honestly worth it. The big one that I found was that Johnny Depp based his whole characterization of Jack Sparrow on his close friend, Keith Richards. So obviously, it was super fun that they brought in Keith Richards to play Captain Teague, Jack Sparrow's father, 
who not only acts like Jack, but also is dressed like Jack. So that was super fun. I did find a little <laughs> extra tidbit, though, that I never knew about. So check this out. Uh, when Keith Richards came to set, he got so drunk that Gore Verbinski had to prop him up. Richards said, if you wanted straight, then you got the wrong man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's classic Rolling Stones right there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Of course, for us, nobody else will care about this, but this is for us three. The green flash is a real but very rare optical phenomenon during sunrise or sunset that is best observed at sea. It is caused by the refraction of light in the atmosphere, amplified by a mirage. Can't remember if you guys saw this, but when we were sailing for a week at sea, I do remember one of the nights... The sun went down, and I was like, oh, wow, there's nothing in the way. I can actually see the sun go down fully. And when I saw that green light, I was like, oh, my God, Pirates of the Caribbean is real. <laughs> I said that verbatim, like, 10 years ago to you guys. Like, I was like, I had no idea that was kind of a real thing. The sword that Will made for Commodore Norrington in, in the first Pirates of the Caribbean has an interesting role throughout this film. Beckett returns to Norrington upon his assignment as Admiral. Then, Norrington stabs Davy Jones with it as his answer to Jones's question, Do you fear death? Jones then takes it and uses it in the final battle, but then Jack Sparrow knocks it from Jones's hands during said battle to the deck of the Dutchman, where it is found by one of Beckett's soldiers. While that soldier is admiring it, uh, the soldier is killed by Davy Jones, who reclaims his sword and later uses it to stab Will Turner through the heart. The sword is last seen in Will's chest as his father goes to remove his heart for the Dutchman's chest. So I just thought it was super cool. Like the sword we saw, like Will in his first scene creating, like has this weird kind of back and forth that's being tossed by all these characters that we've come to love by the time three ends. And it, of course, thematically or poetically, whatever you want to say, ends up killing Will. So so that was kind of cool because I never realized that was that sword. Yeah, that's awesome. That uh, piece of steel gave a better performance than Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, it's like Annette Benning walks out at the Oscars just like, and the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Tommy Lee Jones, the fugitive. And then it's just like a weird face and like looking around. Um, Will Turner's sword from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> All right. So that's it for the fun facts. Matthew, do you want to roll us in for the critics of the Pirates franchise as a whole? Yes, sir. Um, I got to say, we talked about it earlier, but I did not realize that the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise has grossed 4.5 billion dollars against a total budget of 1.4 billion making it the third most successful film-based media franchise of all time when you combine that with merchandising home entertainment and the box office of course it is only behind star wars and the marvel cinematic universe how crazy is that all disney properties at the moment i didn't even uh, think about that that's a that's great point nice. that's that's interesting to say the <laughs> least or hold on as jack would say that's interesting. Uh, Savvy. It, <laughs> it has been nominated for 11 Oscars, including Johnny Depp uh, for Best Supporting Actor for the first Pirates film. It eventually won for Best Visual Effects for Dead Man's Chest. And of course, I know everybody out there is wanting to know, it did win for Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley 
the Teen Choice Award for Best Kiss. Hell yeah. <laughs> Good thing she won a Teen Choice Award because she was 17 <laughs> at the time of that movie. <laughs> That's the only reason she was nominated. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. On Rotten Tomatoes, the movies go down, unfortunately, with each entry, starting with 79% with the original, and then 53, 44, 33, and 29. Ooh, for the follow-ups. The critical consensus was- 44 is way too low for two and three. I feel you. I feel you. The critical consensus was the movies brought back the pirate subgenre to the big screen and had an old-school action-adventure vibe combined with top-notch performances and effects, but perhaps got too bogged down with the plot and the sequels. So the positive reviews consistently called out the acting, practical effects, and natural inclusion of quality CGI, the most notable, of course, being Davy Jones, which is what they won the Oscar for. The effects have been called some of the best to ever been put the film with some audiences being unable to tell when effects are being used. Uh, for kind of more general highlights, the plot and character introductions in the first film in particular were praised universally by critics, and the action, whether it was sword fighting or ship-based combat, was consistently called out as a positive for all three of the original films. Yeah, so the negative reviews primarily focused on the plots and the use of characters and their respective developments in the follow-up films. Some criticize the darker nature of the sequels as opposed to the lighthearted adventure of the first. The second movie feels a bit pointless in the grand scheme of things after seeing the third. The sequels have bloated stories that combined with a number of characters can get a little hard to follow at times. Yeah, I think I can kind of agree with those negatives for the franchise. I think I mainly disagree with the second. I think the second is, is pretty important, so you kind of understand the relationship of Davy Jones and how he interacts with kind of the broader pirate world. Yeah. The only thing, and I was shocked that I saw that complaint come up a lot. Maybe if I had read into it more, I would know. But I think the general inclination is that the whole idea, right, of Davy Jones is you get the key, you find the chest, you take the heart, and then Davy Jones is out of commission. And it's this weird thing of like the second one introduces, here's a picture of the key. It's like, okay, I need the key. I'll go get it. It's like, oh, I found the chest. I found the key. There's the heart. And then that's not really resolved until the very end of the third film. So I think people were saying, like, with the whole conflict being that same thing in the second, we could have just kind of cut around that and gotten to the third because it's kind of the same fight for the heart and it doesn't really change. You're like, you have the key, you have the chest. It's kind of the same thing. So that's all I could really find about that. Yeah, but two kind of sets it up like the British Navy wants the heart to control Jones because yeah, that's their best shot at fighting the pirates. So I, I like the fact that the second one ends with, the British Navy kind of winning, and then we have a really great way to go to go into the third movie. Norrington getting the heart at the end of two is a really cool ending. I agree. I agree with the whole sword fighting uh, choreography. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Probably some of the best I've seen in any pirate or, I guess, like 1700s film. I think in the first one especially, it's so good. So awesome. Um, I agree with all the positives. The only negative I agree with that... Um, I guess it's the other main negative is just that I do think in two and three, they try in a weird way. They tried to echo the whole thing. It's like, well, people love the first one. Right. And our characters were kind of doing their own thing. So we should do that again. Right. And I think the answer to that question should have been no. Let's kind of pair them up better because in the first one, it's like, will Jack and Elizabeth have their own goals? And then in two and three, it's the exact same thing in both movies. And it does get pretty convoluted because it's like two of the three characters were working for the East India Trading Company, but 
we're doing different things, although we're working for the same guy in Cutler Beckett. And it's like two out of the three people that are different from the other two <laughs> want the heart, but for different reasons. So I do think by the end of three, it's like looking back on it. It is pretty confusing, probably more confusing than it needed to be. I do agree with Austin, though. It doesn't stop the movies from being fun. I do think the plots do get jumbled in two and three, though. Yeah, it's very convoluted by the time you get to three. I definitely agree with that. At the same time, though, it stays fun, which I think is exactly what these movies set out to do. And so for setting out to be a fun action-adventure movie and, and nailing it three times in a row, it's, I think it's worth commending. Absolutely. All righty, people. So that was a good, good discussion. It is time, though. I want to talk about some details. I want to find out. I want to take my little knife and get under the barnacles. I want the nitty gritty. It is time for a roundtable discussion. Let's get into it. All right, guys. So I know that we spent last week talking about it a little bit, and I don't want to do too much crossover. I don't want to repeat ourselves too much, but we got to start this discussion with our love and maybe a couple of flaws. Who knows? With Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Let's get into our thoughts on chapter one. I guess starting off, I'm just going to go ahead and commend, I guess you can call it the first act. At Port Royal, whenever the Black Pearl first shows up, Will Turner is introduced. All the characters, all the main characters are pretty much introduced at this point. Jack Sparrow's just got thrown in the jail. The Black Pearl shows up with Barbosa and they're shooting cannons and the whole town of Port Royal is going crazy. I thought the whole sequence is so cool and it's such a good start to this franchise. The first one is definitely where Barbosa feels the most sinister. Like he's willing to shell this entire town just to get to Jack Sparrow and that coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he doesn't really get that evil again for the rest of the franchise. So a great way to introduce your villain is just shelling the town and then having your pirates storm all of Port Royale and busting into Elizabeth Swan's mansion. Such a great first act. You're right, Keith. Yeah, it, it's super good. I love even the even smaller things like how the first scene is just a young girl singing like a pirate song on the like, the like the front of a ship, and it's like, what is the point of this? And then you find out, oh, okay, they're setting up Elizabeth Swan. This is her first meeting Will Turner, and Will Turner's introduction, pretty kind of like, what's happening? Like just kind of floating on a piece of debris, and they pick him up, and it's like, okay, okay, there must be something else here. And of course, that comes back in two and three. That's when his father kind of sacrificed himself, and. Who knows what happened there, but I mean, super cool. So yeah, I love the first act too. It's definitely my favorite. I love Will trying to fight for Elizabeth, even though he won't admit his feelings for her. And then Jack's just kind of like goofy scenes intermixed with that. And as you guys know, I'm curious how you feel. I should probably just bring this up now. I know we're talking about the first movie, but in the bracket episode, I talked about the reason I love The Curse of the Black Pearl so much is because... At the time, I guess, when they made it, they realized that Jack Sparrow should be the supporting character. Will Turner, Elizabeth Swan, they're your mains, and then you have Jack Sparrow doing all this goofy, fun shit, and it makes it even more exciting. Did you guys like that in 2 and 3? I don't know. I do feel like he is a bit more of a main character in 4 and 5, obviously, but it feels like he becomes more important in 2 and 3, and I don't know if I love that change. I kind of like him being a bit of like the goofy side character. Yeah, I would argue he stays a side character for the whole trilogy. 
Uh, I think two is heavily centered around Will Turner, and then three feels almost more centered around Elizabeth with Will supporting her, and then Jack kind of relegated to a side role again. So mm. to me, he never gets the main character until four and five, which I agree with you. Those are terrible when they're only focused on Jack Sparrow. Yeah. So the first three, I always feel it kind of, especially the last two of the original trilogy, it does feel like Jack does have two different personalities. Like he has his goofy, doesn't really give a shit, really flamboyant kind of personality. Then he has his really serious kind of somewhat intelligent side of him where he's really focusing on like his goals and all that. Uh, I don't know. That's how I kind of felt watching on the rewatch this time, that he does kind of have like a split personality. That is what I love about that character is that there is clear. I mean, even Barbosa says it. He's like, there is like a dangerous intellect or I can't remember the, like the ac- actual line, but it's like there is something fearsome about Jack Sparrow. Like everybody else is looking at him like laughing, like what an idiot. But like Barbosa is like. I don't know, guys. I mean, the reason I mutinied in the first place is, like, he's pretty smart, and it's kind of scary sometimes. Like, he's pretty aware of what's going on to a fault, and that's kind of cool. So I like what, how you said that, K-Beck. But, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree that in 4 and 5, he's the main character, and it sucks. But in 2 and 3, I guess what I'm saying, he's not the main character, and I appreciated that on a rewatch. But how did you guys feel how it kind of managed to take, I don't know, it's like Will and Elizabeth, I just fell in love with them in the first movie. And then in like the second and third one, it's just, they want to get married. Maybe they will later. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just it's, It feels just like a, kind of like a long con to get to that. So like, what are they going to do in the meantime? Well, Jack will just like be a dick to Will and Elizabeth and just send them on their own adventures and like whatever. So I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted, I guess. The biggest thing that kind of disappointed me on this rewatch of the whole franchise is I had forgotten how little Jack and Will especially share the screen together. And also Jack, Will, and Elizabeth are rarely in the same shot, like hardly ever. Yeah, you're right, Austin, because in the first one, some of the funniest stuff happens whenever Will and Jack are together. Because like I said, that that funny, you know, carefree side of Jack is just constantly making fun of Will. And Will is like super serious and trying to be like this like tough guy pirate and Jack just puts him down every time. It's hilarious. So you really don't get that too much in the, the following two. Jack calling Will a eunuch made me laugh every time. Are you a eunuch? <laughs> <laughs> and I like Orlando Bloom. Obviously. He got this mm-hmm. role like Gore Verbinski even said. He got this role because he was in um, uh, Lord of the Rings. Like This role was supposed to go to Heath Ledger at the time but because they viewed Orlando Bloom as a more bankable star they went with him. Does does he get worse as these movies go on? <laughs> Am I crazy? I think he gets better. Oh, I think the long okay. hair gets better too. Okay, okay. I will say that my rewatching the third one, Will's motivations were kind of weird for me. I didn't Maybe quite the character get it. is the issue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the okay. third one really trying to save his dad, break the curse. It's pretty I guess simple, my problem with that also no. is like it's like that's kind of what I'm talking about earlier. Is like that was his thing in the second one. And it's like, that's just also his thing in the third one. Yeah, that's that's what well, I mean. Well, it wasn't his thing in the second one, though. He didn't he didn't really yeah, know how to do like it halfway. until towards the end of the second one. Yeah, that's true. It's true. No, I'm not saying about his I'm not saying his motivation to free his dad. It's like the way he went about it was kind of weird. Like he just said, screw Jack, even screw Elizabeth at some points. He did, yeah. I mean, and it's like, I'm just going to go and do what I need to do to get my dad out. But then he goes to talk to Jack and he's like, I'm going to go talk to my best friend, Jack Sparrow, which Austin, that's what we wanted to see. That's what you're talking about. We wanted to see Jack and Will together. 
And for some reason, in two and three, it, after the end of one, where Will is like, I'm going to save Jack. Elizabeth, I love you. I'm going to save him from his hanging. And then Norrington is like, Will Turner, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm right where I'm supposed to be, standing in between you and Jack. And they're like, why? And he's like, because he's a pirate and a good man. And it's like, you're fist pumping. It's like, yeah, dude, let's go. <laughs> and then in two and three, they're not friends. How? Yeah, it's, it, that's the weirdest part. And Jack just fucks him over at every opportunity. Jack tries to kill Will. <laughs> He's like, just send him to Davy Jones' ship. Just make, make him be part of the crew instead of me. Like, I don't care if he dies. It's like, what? And you, you're absolutely right. After that moment in one, they should be inseparable, the three of them, for the, think, for the yeah. remaining franchise. And then it's even weirder because they're not friends, really, in two and three. They they reconcile at the end of three. And then you get to five. Jack watches <laughs> through a telescope yes! as Elizabeth and Will are reunited. And he goes, Ew. ugh. And Gross. closes this telescope and sails away. Johnny Depp, unfortunately, he couldn't like go to he couldn't film with Orlando and Kira that day because he had to go to court with Amber Heard. <laughs> <laughs> he had to sail the Black Pearl to London to go for a libel trial. <laughs> uh. In all seriousness, we should talk about that. Like, Keith, how did you feel about that? Because Austin said, right, it was especially weird on this rewatch, just as an adult, like no year long, like time between watching each movie, just watching them back to back. Shocking after watching one. And it's like, wow, Will has embraced his role, not as a pirate, but as a good man and that role, which was the whole point of the first movie. And then Jack tries to kill him in part two. <laughs> it's it's kind of not funny anymore whenever Jack's like doing his whole thing and Gibbs is like, that was weird. And he's like, oh, whatever. It's like, I don't know. I don't like it anymore. Well, my take on it is that it kind of goes to what that guy, I don't know the, the character's name. He was second in command for Norrington in the first one. Then he was second in command for Beckett. And he was like, do you think he has a plan for what he's doing or is he, or is he just winging it this whole time? So I think that's how it kind of, that's how okay. I take Jack Sparrow to be that he knew Will would be okay. He sent him out there, you know, he puts him like, he puts him to act as if he doesn't care about Will. But in the end, yeah, he, he's actually, that's when I'm talking about his serious side comes back and he's like, and he's, I'm like, no, I'm actually for this guy. But in order to like play my part and, and be this carefree guy and, and get the, the actual bad guys to die. I had to act like I don't care about these these my actual friends. That's how I took it. And I agree with that, Keith. I, I do think Jack Sparrow, at the end of the day, is pretending that he doesn't care about these people. I, I think the biggest issue there is, though, that the movies don't do a good job of showing you that he does actually care about yeah. these people. Because mm-hmm. for the majority of the, of the franchise, he's betraying and double-crossing people, and he always finds a way to come back at the end and, and you know be the good guy that the audience and the, and the crew knows he is. But I don't think we get enough scenes of him interacting with his friends and, and showing that he cares about his friends. It would have been cool to have like a scene like with him, Elizabeth, and Will like all just getting drunk on rum together at Tortuga yes. or something like that. Would have been awesome. But Elizabeth thinks rum is a vile drink that turns good men cruel. But she drinks it constantly. She drinks it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had forgotten rewatching this franchise is how like deep they go into like mythology and lore and supernatural stuff in this franchise um like you get the cursed aztec gold you get the kraken you get calypso you get the maelstroms like they go really deep into this stuff in the franchise and and it's really fun 
um, and, and something like pretty unique, I think, to this franchise. Like, it really does have that like Indiana Jones esque treasure hunt stuff. Then you also get the great combat, and you and you get like a good love story with Owen Elizabeth. Like, there's a lot of really cool elements going on in this franchise. Yeah, I really like the whole lore behind the the coins in the first one with them being yes. yeah. immortal. I thought that was so cool and how that all worked. And then I also like the whole Flying Dutchman thing too and going to Davy Jones' locker. Every time the Flying Dutchman resurfaces above the sea, it's so cool. Oh, yeah. Love it. It just feels like not only a good adventure film, but somehow it kind of Disneyified in the same time. It's like, here's these fun, goofy characters, but... There's kind of like, in the first one, there's a curse upon them. And it's like, oh, Hernan Cortez's Aztec gold is the reason. It's like, oh, that's cool. And they actually spend time talking about it, which is like, oh, that's awesome. Like, and most movies, they would just go, oh, it's Cortez's gold. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. But here, they actually kind of give you context. And we talked about it in the bracket episode, guys. But I mean, with that Aztec gold example, I mean, the way like characters just grab pieces in preparation for that final fight to become immortal and then throw it back to Will because they killed his father, like they need his blood and then he slices his hand and then they're able to kill. Like, it's awesome. It's so good. So the way they play with lore in that sense too is also like extremely creative, super fun, surprising, and it's fun to see the characters play in that world. My favorite, I think, is the Kraken. I just think it's so fun. It's so terrifying. It's so shocking and three to see it just beached itself like that was a really cool moment to have characters walk up on um i love the davy jones element and how it's like kind of his beast that he controls i did find like the actual crew and stuff looking like fish people to kind of be a little bit silly this time around like I, i wonder if they went a little bit too far with that design like especially in three when one of them has like an eel head that's like eating people the thing that i do like i i 100% agree with you but the thing that is cool about it is you do have Davy Jones, right, who is the captain of the ship who, I don't even know what you would call it. I mean, obviously he has tentacles, but it's hard to call him like a squid or an octopus because there's so many on his face. The Kraken. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> just, he has a Kraken on his face. Never even, never once thought about it. <laughs> Good point. Okay. That's pretty cool. But my point being, he is the most evolved. And then you're right. Then you have people that are just like a shark head or like a simple eel head. But then the thing I like is you also have people that are just like, they just got barnacles on their head or like urchins and shit like that. So I like that there's a hierarchy for Davy Jones, right? I like that it's like you serve X amount of years and then you're good. So clearly Bootstrap Bill, because of the timeline with the first movie, he hasn't been serving too long. So whenever we see him, it's like he's still kind of human, but he has barnacles. The starfishing is like. He's not fully human, but you can see his face. And then everybody else is kind of starting to form into like fish people a la Davy Jones. So such a cool production and art design thing that I love. I agree with you. It's kind of silly at times, but at least there was like creativity involved. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only at times that it's silly. And I do like the reveal that the main reason they all look like this is because Davy Jones hasn't been doing the job. Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't been faring the souls. I love all that. So cool. It's immediately ruined in movie five yep. when will turner is covered in barnacles <laughs> movie five. Oh, did will does will not do the job either <laughs> i i do not have an answer to that question <laughs> the hierarchy the longer you serve the more barnacles the more fishy you're gonna get 
Like, and I did like that bootstrap had already like jumped up a phase into third one. He was already Good in point, the wall. Good point, Keith. Yes. That seems scary, dude. That seems yeah. really fucked up. Norrington, um, I was surprised at how much Norrington stays involved in two and three and then also has like a, a pretty great character arc by the time we get to his death in, in Newbie 3. I would say Norrington's like the fourth lead. Maybe. I mean, it's either Norrington or Davy Jones, but I mean, those are like your most prominent characters. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool character. Kind of cool how he had to, you know, kind of turn, I guess you could say turn bad and give the heart to Beckett in order to get his his employment back into the into the Navy. And I like that he turns over the heart. Like, I like that he follows through with his plans and then realizes, like, maybe I did pick the wrong side. Yeah. I 100% agree, because like you said, Keith, it's like he's following through, but maybe it's not for the bad. If you think about it, it's like the people he's fighting against are Davy Jones, and it's like, fuck him. I, I don't want to have to deal with him. And Jack Sparrow, who I hate... And they, I love how they reference that Norrington's not a Commodore anymore because in between one and two, he chased after him and got his ship destroyed in a hurricane chasing after Jack. Yeah. So it's like, that's how he got demoted. So it's like, he obviously hates Jack. He hates Will because he came out of nowhere and stole his gal. Obviously, I'm a Will Elizabeth stan, so I get it. And then Elizabeth, it's like, I can't, I I like her a lot, I guess. I was like around when she was a kid, so it's weird that I'm still an old man. But (laughs) regardless, the way he gans over the heart, it's kind of like, I get it. He wants his old job back. But like you said, Austin, whenever he shows up in three at that first scene, you can see it on his face. He's like, ooh, (laughs) I wish I hadn't done this. (laughs) I like number two, especially that scene at Tortuga, whenever he's he's interviewing with Gibbs, he's like, my story is the same as yours, except just one chapter behind. And yes! they go into <laughs> so <laughs> it was good. awesome. So good. Jack Davenport, really good actor. Want to see him in more stuff. On the Norrington note, I mean, he's probably, I, I would say, the co-villain of movie one. Um, who's your favorite villain? I guess Ugh. let's not count Norrington since he kind of turns, but we got no, Barbosa, we got Davy Jones, we got Beckett. Fine, we got Norrington. Anybody who's, your who's favorite? ever been a villain. They all three have such different qualities about him. It's hard to choose. I think Barbosa is probably my favorite character out of those three. But as far as like who's the most villainous, I would maybe say Davy Jones. I like that Beckett's a schemer and he like understands the pirate game. Like he's one of the few British people who know about the myths, who realize that they're real. He understands kind of how to how to play the game with the pirates. I think that's my favorite aspect of Beckett's character. Yeah, I'll say that. It's great that they had Tom Hollander play this character um, because we talked about earlier, like, I don't love parts two and three as much as the first one, mainly because the plots get so convoluted with characters' goals. But when you have somebody as great as Tom Hollander playing a really cool character like Beckett, it is awesome to see him kind of handle these scenes in two and three. And they set up the East India Trading Company in part one. So seeing that realized in the sequels, and whenever you see like, I mean, you see all you see all of our trio come to him. You see Jack, Will, and Elizabeth. So it's like he's able to kind of handle those scenes that you kind of understand their motivations, but he's always, like you said, turning on them and trying to figure out his own thing. It's still confusing as shit, but at least, like, you have a great actor in the presence. I think I will lean a bit the other way, though. I just think when it comes to the best villain, when it comes to the look, the voice, the performance, and the use in the story... I mean, he's the main baddie of two and three. I got to go Davy Jones. 
let's just touch on the first act of number three real quick with opening up in Singapore with Sal Fang and then going to the edges of the world to try to save Jack Sparrow. What'd you guys think about that? Edge of the world. Like I love the shot of the pearl going off or not the pearl, but I I love the shot of the ship going off the edge of the earth. So cool. So fun to play on the fact that at the time everybody believed that the world was flat and they were still mapping it out. Like really cool, great visual. It, does feel pointless though when they go down there and then jack just shows up on the shore and he just gets on the boat and they leave it's like that's it like no trials nothing like i get like it's hard to get there but it it feels like you really don't need that sequence yeah it's like um the only good part of that sequence uh is two i would say two things the shot composition like like seeing the wide shots of the ship sailing through the Arctic and icebergs is so cool. Yeah. So different than what you would expect. It's beautiful. And then seeing Barbosa back and interacting with Will and Elizabeth and like the other crew is also cool. But ultimately I agree with Austin that it is pointless and it's a weird compliment to give because we talked about at the top. It's like part three somehow moves, even though it's almost three hours long. But it is the hour mark. And I checked. You are at the hour mark whenever, like, they are back with Jack and Davy Jones and they come back up with the green light. What was the point of the first half then? <laughs> it's like, you could have just spent a few minutes going down there, pick up Jack, flip over the ship, and you're good. But that is over, like, almost one half of the movie. Like I said, this is an hour into the film. You know what would have been really cool to see? What do the seas actually look like with Davy Jones under the control of the East India Trading Company? We get one one scene of him sinking a ship. I would have loved to have seen him like taking out maybe more pirate crews that we know, or or something like that. Or, or hey, what happened when Davy Jones had to beach the Kraken? Like that would have been really cool to see. Like I think we could have gotten better stuff with this first hour. Yeah, yeah. It, it is just interesting how they kind of divvied up movies two and three, as K back said at the top. It's like they were trying to find a way to shoot them back to back. So it does feel like that. When you watch the first part, it's like they made a singular movie, right? And then in two and three, it's like they were like, we have to make a second one because the first one did so well, but let's also make a third one and we'll just make the story a two-parter, right? It's like Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Like they're so tied together. And part of me wishes that they would have found ways to kind of separate them a bit more but i don't know like whenever i watched a couple of the deleted scenes at the end of the second one it's like norrington shows up with the heart right and uh in a deleted scene uh beckett gives him back the sword that orlando bloom gave him and he's like you're back in action and then kind of like you said keith that you wanted to see more of it um the uh, davy jones and the flying dutchman sail right next to them and he takes off his hat and kind of like puts it over his heart and is like, you have my heart. Like, I'm pissed off. Like, I don't want to be your toy or person, but I have to be. And that was the original ending of the second one. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, you're actually playing with that. You're playing with Davy Jones. Like, somebody got the heart, so I have to be that person. Whereas in the theatrical, the ones that we watch, it's just like, <sighs> I don't know. The heart, we're following the the key in the heart story again, like after the second one. So it's a little confusing. Yeah, because they didn't have that, right? They didn't have like Beckett, like, "Hey, Davy, I have no. your heart." <laughs> like, <laughs> no, not like, at how, all. Yeah, how'd that happen? They cut it out. It would have been cool. 
I was reading an interview with Gore Verbinski and and the person basically asked him like was there ever a thought of moving the release dates of these films? Because like in today's age, it's kind of more common for movies to get pushed based on production deadlines. And Gorovinsky was just straight up. His only answer was just that was not an option. So Disney was like hardcore. You're you're putting these movies out at the release dates we give you. It was a different time also. I mean, it was before the MCU in 2003. Black Pearl came out, smashed box office records. Dead Man's Chest comes out three years later, which whenever you think about today, it's like, that's kind of a, as crazy as it sounds, three years is kind of a long time for a sequel. And then uh, they shut it back to back. So in 2006, Dead Man's Chest comes out and then 2007, At World's End comes out. So it's like, you have no time to react to like the problems that people have or criticisms that they have with the follow-up. So it's like, we already shot three. So fuck, <laughs> I guess we'll just put it out. <laughs> so it's like, what do you do? So it is a weird thing. I, I I would love to see like a version where like they had more time, but they had ten weeks for post production on three. Most movies get oh a year. Oh my god, ten Damn. weeks! Fast track for to sure. Edit it. Ten weeks to finalize visual effects and like yeah to do all the post production <laughs> stuff. <laughs> oh my god, that's insane. And it still looks good. It does. It really does. <laughs> they were probably working 24 hours on the dot. <laughs> it's yeah, Gore, Gore wow. Verbinski apparently was like, by the time three wrapped, he was like 15 pounds overweight. He'd been working 18 hour days for like a year and a half. He just said like he was burnt out on movie making and was like, they like broached the idea of four. And he was like, absolutely not. I will <laughs> not, not right do now. that. <laughs> and he was like, Johnny, I have an idea for a lizard film. And he went, it's animated. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's crazy. Good for him, though. He made a trilogy. And again, the first one is like critically and by fans revered. Two and three are not. But I think as time goes on, it seems like people are kind of like us. There's a lot of good stuff with two and three. Definitely some not so good, but some stuff to appreciate for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of good and not so good. Uh, that final battle in three, the choreography is just insane, and it's like nonstop it's for awesome. like twenty five minutes. I thought you were gonna say it was bad right there. I was, I was scared. <laughs> oh no, no, I think it's great. I mean, there's there's some goofy stuff for sure yeah, in yeah. that final battle, but it is the choreography is insane in that final battle scene. I love it. I love it so much. It, it's so goofy watching Davy Jones, who they've built up, fight Jack Sparrow like on. Like the mast, like near the crow's nest. It's cool watching him fall off and then like fling around like, oh, sorry. And like shoot somebody else on a rope, fling around, shoot him. It's like, it's awesome watching. And you're right. Like they really found a great way to like situate all the characters on like the bottom of the ship. So it's like there's good stuff going on that they can cut between. Of course, <laughs> Will and Elizabeth get married here. It's like. Why do they hate each other at the beginning of this? Movie? <laughs> because she kissed Jack, man. I, I really going back to David Jones fighting Jack Sparrow like on top of the mast there. I liked how it was like halfway serious but half funny at the same time. I it gets me every time that part whenever Davy Jones does a little tentacle thing, like he does a little like, and then Jack goes, ah! <laughs> but it's like a delayed reaction, like, ah! <laughs> so got good. me every time. <laughs> was it um was it a little disappointing though that like the whole second half of the movie is building up the pirate armada 
and then the final battle is just the Flying Dutchman and the Pearl. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. I, I've seen a lot of people talk about it on Reddit. I wasn't even looking at it like until we did this episode. <laughs> but I was like, I never thought about this. That's a good point. It's like, so yeah, the Pearl versus the Dutchman. What the fuck is the pirate armada doing with the other armada? And the answer is, I guess nothing. <laughs> like They're just <laughs> waiting to see how the Maelstrom fight plays out. I guess the idea is the armadas can't get around the Maelstrom. I think that's what we're supposed to think. I until guess, it's just yeah. the two, but it's not displayed while they're communicated to the audience. I guess, yeah. I, what I got from it is that the, the Dutchman is such a feared ship that if the Dutchman's not on their side, which it wasn't at the end, that like, oh, there's no point in even fighting. We can't match anything against the Flying Dutchman. Which, it's going to be so random. I don't even know if you remember this, Austin, but I know I played it solo. I don't know if I played it with you. The but game? The game, awesome. The game, Austin! How do you know what I'm thinking always? But the Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End video game, the main, I mean, obviously it's the same thing, right, Quebec? But the main plot of the game was Jack and Will finding the Brethren Court. Like, they were all, like, mm. kidnapped or whatever. Like, you have to find the Brethren Court because we have to come together to fight Davy Jones. And maybe that was a bit predictable, but it makes way more sense for this story. Yeah, that would have been a cool alternative movie. Just have, like, we get the Will and Jack duo team that we want yeah. going after and finding the, the, the nine pieces of eight uh, Brethren Court members. Um, well, guys, I think that's a solid discussion on Pirates 1 through 3. But now it is time. Ugh. Let's transition. Give a little bit of time, just a little bit, to On Strangers Tides and Dead Man Tell No Tales. What are your thoughts on Pirates 4 and Pirates 5? Pirates 4. I saw it probably 40 or 50 times within one year because I worked at Kroger. And on the TV, they played On Stranger Tides on reruns at my register over and over and over to the point where I was actually going crazy. And I have not seen the movie since <laughs> I worked at Kroger. Did you like it? <laughs> that was torture. <laughs> so yeah, we already talked about it, but here we are. We've made it to the movies where I don't think this is a hot take anymore. Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow. As the main character, it's a lot for a two-plus-hour movie. That's what I'll tell you. Like, oh, hello. <laughs> it's like, it's too much. It's just bad. Watching him, like, fling around doing these doofy stories that don't involve, like, the original trilogy. Don't love it. And by the time we get to part five, like Austin talked about with Dead Man Telling the Tales, they were like, oh, no, nobody liked part four. So let's bring back all our favorite characters for part five. Let's bring back Will Turner and his son. And it's like, wow, why is he the captain of the Dutchman? And why is it like really dire? <laughs> like, wasn't that the whole point of part three that it was like a good ending? I guess not. <laughs> like, it's so bad. Ugh, what a travesty. Stranger Tides feels like a spinoff, like a really shitty spinoff, which I guess it's supposed to be a sequel, but it, it feels just like a spinoff movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's literally just Jack Sparrow joke, action scene, repeat. Ugh. It's really, Stranger's Tide is really frustrating because Ian McShane's casting as Blackbird should have been great. It would should have been a great addition to the franchise, and it's yeah. just terrible. And then 
I watched Dead Men Tell No Tales for the first time this week, and the first half I was actually pleasantly surprised with. I was like, wow, I'm with not, you actually. actually not bad so far. The opening, I think, is really cool. Hold on, Austin. We should talk about the opening just real quick. Just the concept of it. It's like, we're back. Will Turner's son, the main character, and then I'm, I'm going to save my father, the captain of the Dutchman. Who's going to help me? Jack Sparrow. Pretty good concept. Like, great concept. The fact that he sinks himself down. Our opening shot is the Dutchman rising to the surface. Great, like, welcome back, baby. We're, we're back into pirates. And then they introduce Javier Bardem's uh, Salazar. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, okay, so saving Will Turner is not the no. main plot of this movie. <laughs> it's Salazar's revenge on Jack Sparrow and, and their whole past feels just so forced uh, and unearned. And then they're also going to give you Jack Sparrow's origin story, which nobody asked for. Oh, I forgot about that. And it's not even a good origin. All right, my friends, it is time for the awards. I do not care what you're going for. Give your award to anybody, anything, any place. It does not matter. Pirates of the Caribbean as a franchise, what do you want to specifically award? I'm going to give the Itchy Head Award to Governor Swan. He even says it himself. Do you think I wear this wig to keep my head warm? Every single one of those wigs look itchy. They look yeah. like they all have like fleas on them, too. They probably did. It must have been such an uncomfortable time period to be a human. <laughs> yeah. If you're a female, you're in a tight corset for no reason. If you're a male, you're in this these dumb wigs that people thought looked good. It just, Socks. It must have been terrible. <laughs> um, I'm going to give the best... Cologne award to Jack Sparrow. He knows he smells bad, but in movie two, he tries to season himself. I'm sure that made him smell a little bit better. That was the first time anybody used cologne in this time period. Cayenne pepper, the original cologne. <laughs> the original. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to give actually my friend Keith. I know he was thinking about it, but mine is the Itchiest Nose Award. Guys, when we were watching Pirates 3 at World's End, when Jack's mother came into play, were you not thinking about, man, I want to itch that nose? Because apparently she's a shrunken head. Oh, I forgot about the shrunken yeah. head. Thank God you agreed with me. And he's like, how's mom? And then the captain T just holds up a small little skull. Oh, I see. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She would have an itchy nose, and she's got no arms. She's got to rely on Keith David. Keith David? <laughs> Keith Richards? <laughs> his name's Keith. His name got is Keith. Keith. On the You're show. right about that. We got right. Keith playing the father. There's too many Keiths in my life at the moment. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode and this series, please make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow this show. Please leave us reviews as well, even if you don't want to write anything. Leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. Matt and I will be back next Tuesday to return to the MCU for the new release, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Our best buddy Keith cannot make it next week, so we're going to miss him. Uh, this one so far has gotten some pretty positive early buzz, um, and some even calling it the best origin stories that Marvel has ever done. So look forward to that one next Tuesday. Lastly, we want to hear from you. Please feel free to direct message us on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. 
Send us your favorite movie of 2021. Let us know your thoughts on the Pirates franchise, our recent bracket episodes, and what if. If there's anything you want us to cover, be sure to let us know. Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. All right, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Dead man tell no tales. <laughs>